0: great <laughs> good morning everyone here we are team inspired uh today we have a pretty exciting guest a uh, friend of mine dr aaron bennett hello dr. Bennett. Hello. hello hello um good she morning. is just one of the most amazing women you will ever probably talk to she owns oh, a so veterinary awesome. practice in uh marin county Yes. And is kind of just like a goddess of animals, a goddess of life. And today we're going to talk about all things, you know, that go on in her field, in her world, and kind of get to know her and get to know this industry that has a lot of um, kind of a facade, if you will. There is there is the dark part of yes. the industry. Yep. Um, so Aaron, let's talk, let's introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what's going on. And again, this oh is Samantha Tredelius Tavani, and Stacy Fleece. So let's go. Yay.
1: Hi, my name is Erin Bennett. And uh, as mentioned, I am a veterinarian here in Northern California, Marin County. Um, I grew up in Marin County, went to high school in Marin County, and then moved off to college and even went to vet school in Ireland, which is crazy, but it was the best experience ever. Um, Worked really hard over there for a while as a vet and then I decided it was time to move home. So that was 2011. And here I am, uh, 2015 bought my own practice after, mm, I don't know how many years was I in it nine. as a vet before I bought the, the practice and, um, it's been six long years, but it's so fun and sad and hard and, um, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I it's, it's been the best decision ever.
2: So here I am. I want to I want to back up a little bit to the Ireland part because you know we we hear about like you know our grandparents or our great grandparents you know came to the United States on a boat with seventeen dollars in their pocket and they yes. were you know fifteen years old and they you yeah. know they they were they were castaways whatever it was right yeah you're like the modern version of that like you <laughs> got on a plane with yes. I don't know seventeen dollars in your pocket probably a little more inflation. And yeah. you went yeah. over there knowing nobody. The exchange right? rate too. The exchange rate, right? A... Okay. Yeah. do not yeah. even yeah. think about <laughs> that. So um, I, I actually find that super inspiring. And I, uh, on some level, in hindsight, I wish I had done that. I feel like I feel like the, that boat has sailed for me. But um, <laughs> what? Uh, where did you find the uh, the gumption to yes. do that?
1: Um, good question. So I, um, it all just kind of happened. Um, and I've just never like thought twice, like any decision I make is very rash. (laughs) And so, um, I knew that getting into that school in the United States was going to be very difficult and competitive. And to be honest, I just didn't want that noise. And so, um, my father had just gotten back from a trip with his friends and he was like, Hey, you know, Ireland has a vet school. Why don't you try to apply there? And I was like, oh, OK, so I looked at, you know, the application oh process and um, and it seemed like all the classes that I was about had finished and taken um, would would apply. So I just on a whim was like, well, let's give it a go. If You know, no big deal. If, you know, I, I knew I was going to get rejected by vet schools. Just that's just the nature of it but i was waitlisted and i was like oh my god this could actually happen so like 3 weeks before the school year started i guess i was waiting for some yank to say no and then my name came up and i was like yes so wow. i packed two bags and i bought a ticket and off i went and it was the scariest most exciting thing ever and like did you think
2: you were the- going to live in the bus station for 2 weeks first like i don't,
1: um, like you know I- when you get there where do you go yeah, um, no, I, I rented a hotel room. I looked at a map of the city of Dublin and rented a hotel room. I had no idea where the college campus was. I would ask a police officer on, you know, patrolling the streets, like, hi, sorry, do you know where University College Dublin is? And he, He's like, oh, you want to take the bus? And I was like, the bus? You mean it's not like right here? Like, how how do I do this? And so um, I took the bus, found the school, and um i had already enrolled and so i had a dorm room available i just didn't know where the hell it was and so uh um stayed in my hotel room for about five days I was like okay i'm just gonna ease into this i was 23 so um yeah. living in a dorm again was like i'm sorry what i have to live in a that dorm. that sounds
2: awesome not <laughs>
1: and um and so i found it and i eased my way in i brought my bags and i was living in literally the size of like a broom closet um that was my room and shared it with four other uh medical medical school students two were vet students and two were human human medicine students and we were all from northern uh, north america so that helped that was a good little um um breaker there we're still close all all of us are still close um, they of course are in different states different countries but um um there was five of us women living together in this little tiny um dorm when so i don't know if you know this about uh european schools all of the kids from high school just go straight into their desired field and they have to qualify like their sats have to allow them to get into a certain field and so I happened to be living and going to school with all 18 year olds. I'm not that I was (laughs) like super, (laughs) not that I was like super mature. I was 23 and still very immature, but it was very humbling to, uh, be living with and, um, um, going to class with 18 year olds. It was different. It was different. They were so smart though. They like kicked my ass on every exam. I was so, so humbled by them. But, um, I wonder how you know what your
2: desired field is at eighteen
1: i know and so i wasn't smart enough at 18 to know
3: yeah
1: someone and 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 my husband who's irish i i brought him back from ireland kicking and screaming that was your part that was your parting gift yeah it took me a long time to convince him and he finally you know when the when the economy tanked in ireland a few years back he was like okay let's do it and so we've been here ever since um but um my husband and I talk about this all the time. Like, is it better to go to a four-year college first and kind of dick around and, um, take classes that maybe you have no, like, you know, classes like anthropology and, you know, psychology, like tons of core classes, which definitely make you uh, a better person, a better student, more well-rounded, but These kids just went straight into veterinary medicine or medical school, and um, they become doctors at 21 and 22 years of age. My
2: opinion, Doogie Howser is alive and well in Ireland. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) got a a bunch of Doogie Howser's doing operations. Exactly, they are
1: so smart. And like you know, the 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 girl, um, it was a very female-oriented class of mine. I think there was maybe 75, 25, you know, females to males. but the girl that was the um, top of my class, she's now like lecturing at the University of Florida and she and she's like, you know, eight years younger than me but and has two kids and, you know, she's just making it happen. So it's sure. pretty cool,
0: yeah. I think that the, um, the biggest gripe about being like an employer and bringing, you know, when you hire, you know, young talent, it's like they have no life experience. They have no work experience. I mean, yeah. Maybe they've got this great degree, but I think having that ability to, Really go from you know high school when you're you know moldable and then get into what what you think or maybe just even something that interests you and learning at a core level because then you can transition into other things with a little bit of education and, and experience in your back. Yeah. Um, speaking of experience, uh, I want to talk about what it's like to own a <laughs> practice that has little creatures as your clients. And then yeah. sometimes you've got some unruly, interesting owners that you, you know, yes. you got to deal with because pets are such a thing for us folks. Um, mm-hmm. and I speak, you know, because I know you from a professional level, because you are my boys' doctor. Yes. And so, I mean, I know not everyone's like me. Um, and <laughs> There are some folks that could be a little, I wish they were, I wish they were Be so much better. (laughs) What's what's that like just being, you know, waking up every day and, and not knowing what, what you're going to get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the medicine part of it, um, uh, definitely took a while to get comfortable with. It's like, you know, you're terrified when you're first starting out. And so, um because exactly that i have no idea when i walk through the door what's gonna call or what's already waiting for me like hey this person was at the front door this morning when we got here their cat you know can't urinate and that's an emergency and so you know i have my little lunch bag i'm like hey let me just well okay here we go and so um (laughs) so um and you know i want to say that it's like all puppies and kittens and um it's a glorious glorious career um and it is sometimes, but, um, I, I do feel that, um, I do take, uh, the brunt of a lot of owners frustration. Um, yeah, it's really upsetting when your animal is sick and it's very stressful. Um, it's hard to see them that way. And so a lot of people will project their um, feelings or their frustrations or their sadness on onto you. Um, and it's hard to, to constantly get bombarded by that and not take it personal or um, make you, you know, doubt yourself, doubt yourself like, Oh God, maybe, I, maybe he's right. I am a money hungry, you know, like it, it's, but,
0: but like, the, how do you, how do you thicken your skin enough to be able? Cause it's like, people are so vulnerable and, and it's like, yes intense. I mean, I mean, I sell insurance, so it's, it's yes. doing loans and Jen's doing hair, but it's like, our industries aren't highly emotional in that way. Yeah. I mean, how do you yeah. do it? Um, well, I cry,
1: um, quite a lot. <laughs> um, I do it's, it's, you know, uh, in and at very bizarre times I'll be in my car on the way home or even sometimes on the way to work. Like, God, I was thinking about this cat that I, you know, started chemo on and it didn't, it didn't go well and the cat ended up dying and you know all these things just come up at the most random times and you just kind of cry it out you um learn from every single case every single one is like a learning not learning but like I did this and it went really well or this didn't work for that person and so it just kind of um, makes you more comfortable with making decisions and I mean the more that I have been you know not yelled at, but like, you do get a lot of unpleasant, um, conversations and phone calls. Um, you start to understand how to, um, approach those people and speak to them in a way that, um, you know, gets your, gets your point across or expresses your sympathy, but also like, I'm so sorry, this, this is happening. Um, and, and you just try to have to, you kind of have to let it float off your back. Otherwise. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, constant. And that's unfortunately why I think a lot of people in this profession, um, unfortunately commit suicide because they do that. It's, it's a lot of compassion fatigue. It's a lot of internalizing, um, people's, um, um,
3: anger and sadness. It's, it's hard. It's hard. I recently saw on Nextdoor this, um, warning if you will, from a um, neighborhood person, and they were warning about a different vet. Uh, let's be clear about that. But yeah. I wondered, <laughs> what the heck? You know, they were they were saying that the vet uh, paralyzed their young puppy by giving them a lepto shot, and they asked them not to do this. And it was like this whole big thing, and. Hundreds of comments came after that, and I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, I what would you do if you were the vet in this case?" And somebody is really, literally putting out there and bashing your business when yeah. you're simply trying to do your job and do what yeah. you're trained. And not every animal is going to um, behave, you know, normally. I mean, you don't yeah. always know yeah. how. How do you deal with that? Because that looked. <laughs> miserable Oh, to me <laughs> I'm surprised
1: I'm surprised you didn't read some of the comments about my own um self and practice because people have certainly bashed me um and it, it's always about money um it's always about money um people believe that you obviously you love animals so you must do this for free it's and fun. so <laughs> yeah Um, And so what, what people don't realize it it, is usually like, I'm so sorry. You it's, it's how much to, to have my animal x-rayed and for the x-rays to be evaluated by a board certified radiologist. And for me to get a um, diagnosis within 20 minutes of walking in the door, um, they want that to be free. It's very strange um, because they think, you know, you're compassionate or I got it. I, I can't afford this, which is, you know, fine. So I, I, I try to work with people and be like, I get it. Um, you know, um, I have children. I have pets myself. I understand that you can't spend thousands and thousands of dollars. So I, I work with people and I say, well, what do you want to do? Let's, let's figure out the goal. Do you want him to just have pain relief or do you really want to know what's going on and we can, you know, do further diagnostics? So, um, going back to what you were saying, when people are usually angry like that and and take so much insults out um, on on you, it is it is cyberbullying. Actually, it is yeah, hugely yeah. cyberbullying, and um, it it's people like you guys who can read between the lines and be like, wow, it sounds like the dog just needed a vaccine and it had a horrible reaction. That happens. It takes people like you reading that and being grounded to be like, you know, this person is clearly, you know, something's wrong with this person or it's really sad that they're this upset or um, so I think of those people that can actually contemplate and think, more about it than just going online and being so hurtful. Um, I think about you guys who are there always supporting. So that, that helps me.
0: You know, Beyonce says that <laughs> in her Instagram posts, she does not scroll down. And yeah. maybe that's just something that, you know, business, I mean, it's, I think it's important to know what the, you know, your, your people are thinking i mean if yeah. there's a problem then you know that's how, but if somebody's just going online and being a total deck it's like yeah. you know i'm just yeah. you got to think like Bay would and be like you know i'm not i'm not scrolling today i'm yeah. not doing yeah. it nope
1: i don't i don't read the yelp reviews anymore and people will call me not or my friends will text me like hey why don't you write to that person back and i'm like cuz i don't i don't want to engage it i don't i don't need it i know exactly what happened they're just angry and they're, you know, they want to take it out on online. So I, I don't even read the reviews anymore, to be honest. Um, I know what I do and, and I take great pride in it. And um, I, I, I feel sad for people who can't see that.
3: That um, takes so, so much confidence though. I mean, you have to know that what you're doing is, is correct to your knowledge and you're doing your best. And how do you, how did you find that inspiration? Like what gave you that confidence to, to be able to put aside those negative, you know, voices out there? Um,
1: uh, It has taken a really, really, really long time. Um, And there is a group of veterinarians. I have a, a, you know, a social media group that I'm um, part of where we will go and vent to one another, like, oh my gosh, this happened, and this happened to the pet, and now the owner thinks this, and and there's a community of vets out there. We all commiserate, and we're like, "Oh, that happened to me once. This is what I did," and so it's the support from the other, you know, female vets that you know are doing surgery when they're pregnant, or you know, and you're you're scared about that, but um, uh, other female vets who um, have bought businesses and run businesses, um, people like you who are also, you know. Um, super knowledgeable in your own field who can offer advice and just you know um you know inspirational um little pick-me-ups um, which is why I love seeing Samantha she's so such a refreshing face when I go out when I go outside now I go outside to greet everybody um and I'm like oh yay so it's little little things like that but it's taken a really long time and honestly I still have that And I was listening to you earlier I still have that internal dialogue sometimes where um i don't know if it's your id or your su- super i'm not i'm not sure who it is who's trying to drag me down i'm like nope nope it, you know like, i learn from every experience and um i'm just trying to not spiral down that negative um drain pipe
2: <laughs> yeah, we we, ta- we talked about giving uh not not uh letting or, or getting rid of the detractors or the detractors comments but giving them different power um and and you know, taking it as a, as a positive or something as, you know, that, that drives you, um, by the way, compassion fatigue is my new favorite term. And I I think I'm going to work with that one for a while. I like it. Uh, serious question from my daughter in this household. Yes. Uh, can you, or have you ever treated a goldfish?
1: You know, I have not treated a goldfish. Um, I have treated other, um, water animals so um turtles um salamanders um my first job in Ireland so after I graduated I stayed in Ireland because I had met Paul who was um clearly not coming back to America with me anytime soon so I was like you know what I love it here I'm gonna stay so my first boss um was I don't know if you guys watch All Creatures Great and Small or if you've read the books yes um James Harriet was literally it he, it wasn't James Harriet, but he was just like him. He had this Northern Irish accent and he was the zoo vet. So he would go to the zoo twice a week and then he would run his little practice. And I would be his little minion that was doing all the things for the cats and dogs. And um, he would bring the craziest things back from the zoo. Like he would bring one time he brought a toucan, to, uh, uh, like a bird, like the toucan. And he's like, oh, this like bird's fruit loops like, bird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The fruit loops bird. Uh, a flamingo he brought a flamingo in once um a, a capybara which i don't know if you've ever seen these things but they look like giant rats and they're huge and like a rat versus a, a rat mixed with a, a guinea pig but they're giant they're huge yes. yeah and she was and she
2: was um, take a hard pass on that <laughs> yeah, no, she, was trying, <laughs> she, was,
1: she was trying to give birth and the baby was too big so i had to do a c-section on this thing that i was like I, i'm so sorry i don't even know what this is what is this <sighs> Oh but i opened god. her up and i took out a baby and sewed her back up and she lived it was just it was the craziest thing ever so um,
2: probably the best first job ever total trial by fire
1: it was oh yeah i was thrown into the deep end he's like don't call me i'm golfing i'm like oh my god okay and then uh i would just have to run this practice and i was a new graduate it was the scariest thing ever but a lot of laughs i'm still really close with all of those people um but yeah he brought in pythons like like pythons i'm like i don't even know where do i take blood on this thing this is how do i get a blood sample from a python but figured it out i opened a book and i found a blood sample from a python there's a vein the their caudal vena cava their vena cava is the vein the giant vein in the abdomen or the the body i don't even i don't even specialize in like exotics but anyway and you just jab them with a needle and you pull it out of the out of the great vein. Yeah. yeah
0: that's amazing <laughs> what's your favorite animal that, like what's the I have two questions what's your favorite animal what's the craziest animal that you've ever like oh. had in your office
1: oh god well I mean the flamingo by far I think was the craziest thing that I'd ever seen um but my favorite animal is a cat you know I have them like tattooed on my body I have seven of them at my house um, oh my god. I'm, I'm kind of like crazy cat lady but um but yeah, no, the python, the the, the boa constrictor was kind of, um, uh, that was a strange one to, to have to, to treat. Um, but it, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I literally never know what's going to come in. Um, uh, you know, I get phone calls right when I walk through the door. Hey, there's a dog coming down who, you know, ate a ball. It's stuck in its stomach and we just have to we got to go in and get it. It's amazing. And so we organize our day around it. We're seeing other patients while we're prepping for this emergency. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy.
3: Wow. That sounds Um, kind of exciting, actually.
1: (laughs) It is exciting. And then in between that, unfortunately, you know, there's uh, the, the part of my job, which is always the hardest, which is um, taking lives, obviously like deciding when to euthanize an animal and making that decision is probably the craziest part of my job. I think, um, it's always hard and it is always sad. And, um, you know, I even go to people's houses and do it at their house, which is even worse because there's small children around and they're crying and it's just the craziest, uh, experience actually. Um, giving a drug that actually ends a being's life is, is pretty bizarre, but, um, but we do it with grace and uh, composed um, attitude, and you know uh, those things um, are hard. I mean, it's always hard. But when you've been doing it for thirteen years, it becomes just part of your job, and you always shed a little
0: tear. But you know, it sucks. But it's also one of those things that, like, being a pet owner. I know when I lost my my Stanley, who was like my first my first pug, my baby. It was like literally the gnarliest thing ever having to like make that decision to like yeah. i mean e- for me it's like i wish you would just die on your like you yeah. make that choice yeah and then i'll deal with it but not yeah. don't make me make that choice yeah. Yeah. as, a, as exactly. a pet owner i think that's hard um and, and you become so attached to your little creatures i think more than like humans almost
1: yep yeah yep. these are these are animals that have helped people get through cancer um or you know um service service dogs you know for their mental illness or you know it's just it's it, it is the craziest craziest decision or like having to give that news like I'm so sorry there's nothing else we can do it's just it's awful um I don't even I don't know how human doctors do it I mean obviously animals are so important but if you had to say that to somebody uh about their child like oh I just I don't know how those people do it but um I have much respect for them um, because it's, it's a crazy, crazy part of the job, but there's so many exciting things that happen too, like C-sections and um, you know, there are tons of puppies and kittens or that one thing, like I have a cat here at my house, one of the seven who ended up here because it was abandoned and had a broken leg and was um, scheduled for an amputation, which is usually what you do with crazy, you know, broken legs. Um, if you feel like, uh, the, the recovery is going to be too difficult for them, oftentimes just taking the limb off gives them, um, their life back. Um, but, uh, I have this cat here who came in for an amputation. I was like, well, Hey, maybe I can fix this. Let me try and fix this. And, um, I fixed it. I, pin, I pinned a couple fractures and it was, it's pretty incredible. Walk and walk, walk, walk around on all four legs. I'm like, wow, oh, I did that. That's awesome. Um, so little things like that. Um, make me feel better
2: or just I'm always always interested in what the uh the the pets that the vet has so you have seven cats Mm -hmm. do you have any other animals roaming around there
1: I do I do okay I have three dogs seven cats three goats four sheep two pigs and 15 chickens damn
3: oh my gosh that's like my dream to have a mini farm in my backyard
2: it is it's a mini farm do, you, have a, do you have a partridge in a pear tree too or
1: no <laughs> oh i i if there if you hear one that needs a home i'd be open to adopting
2: i'll, I'll it. keep my ears open for you <laughs> but yeah
1: it's uh the kid you know my whole plan was like oh i want my kids to um grow up with compassion, which they do. Um, I wish they would do more farm chores. It, it hasn't quite happened yet. They're not quite bribable yet. They're eight and seven. So oh, money plus to them. Plus. Yeah, yeah, they're almost there. So um, right now I have to, I have yeah, to. Start soon. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But um, yes. my my whole like fantasy was like, oh, my kids will be outside, like, you know, grabbing the chickens, eggs and building forts. They're not they're not,
0: they're, they're not. on their iPads, they're on their iPads,
1: it's a nightmare, <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> but I think that you, allowing that experience of being able to have that, you know, when they're ready to, I think probably, you know, when they get a little bit older to appreciate that, I mean, yeah. I don't know, um, I yeah. would hope that they would be excited about it, um, I think that your story of how you became is so cool, and taking those risks to, like, move to another country, and yep. just, do something like to be that carefree and just say, you know what, screw it. I'm doing it. I'm making it happen. Um, and then, you know, watching you grow your practice. Cause I've seen it. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I get it. Um, I find you to just be a really inspirational person for me. And I enjoy, I enjoy watching your journey. Um, mm-hmm. And so to me, I just wanted to say like, thank you for, for sharing you today. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That is so nice. That's like the nicest thing. anybody. You know, it may so. be the nicest thing I say all day. So just take it and just, <laughs> just embrace that. Well,
1: Allie, you grateful. still got time. <laughs> I'm very grateful. Thank you so much. Um, I, uh, I'm pretty hard on myself. I have to say, um, I know you guys are all moms too. So that's the part that, um, I'm still trying to figure out that work-life balance. Uh, and uh, I don't think. I'll ever have it figured out how do you guys figure it out I mean I feel like I work so much and uh the kids have just gotten used to it I guess um that they don't expect me to be like a better mom I know that sounds awful but like I think I always have this internal dialogue where the the businesswoman in me is fighting the mom or I could be better at this because I'm leaning too far on this and so how do you guys um how do you balance like being a good mom and you know also kicking ass in in your job being
2: being a good mom does not uh it it does not revolve around the amount of time you spend it is the quality of the time you spend so I'm ahead of you I have 17 and 20 so I have a high school junior and a college sophomore and um it's it for me it's been more about the quality of time that I'm able to give them with the work and everything else that demands my time but it raises some independent children. It raises independent thinkers. It raises the ability to go into a new city when they go to college and they can get from point A to point B without calling right. an Uber. They know how to do that. They right. have life skills that yeah. uh, that others don't and won't.
1: That is so awesome. I love what you just said. That makes me feel a heck of a lot better.
0: <laughs> and we don't yeah. have it all figured out. Like We are a constant work in progress. And the mom guild, I think- I think it's always there, but I also think that going to uh, Fleece's um, words, it's like, I know that by me being the woman I am, it teaches my girls because the only reason I am the woman I am is because of my mom and seeing her work and be, you know, she was, she was always there when she needed to be, but she was also a career woman and I appreciated that about her. And I really feel like a lot of me is because of that. So don't knock yourself. I think, yeah. Everything you do, every step you take shows them and teaches them um to be the best that they possibly can be.
1: Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. And I think you're right. The mom guilt, it is a brutal it's a brutal feeling, but um I I I just try to tell myself you're doing your best. You're doing your best even if it's sitting here on the couch and putting on a cartoon and sitting and watching it with them. That's all, you know, because that's all the energy I have at the end of the day. Um, you know, I just try to say, I'm, you're doing your best. That's all. And if, I, and if I'm not, then that's when I really um, have to rethink things. But I do try to do my best. That's all I can do.
3: Awesome. Erin, it is such a pleasure to get to talk to you. And I do believe Yay. that being a working mom, that it is actually showing our, our children, you know, how to be both, you know, compassionate to your children and and your work, um, but also giving that work ethic that, you know, drives you every day and you have good days and bad days. And I'm sure you bring that home with you. And um, it is inspirational and you do every day just by getting up and going to work and, and putting yourself together to get there. You're showing your kids and training them how to be good people in the world. So to me that is super inspiring. And uh, from Team Inspired, we'd like to thank Dr. Uh, Aaron Bennett for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, and, and let's all go out and be inspired.